I live in Cape Town, South Africa, in the Atlantic seaboard suburb of Seapoint. My daily life is anchored by my home in Seapoint and work at a university in Stellenbosch. Every morning, I travel to work down Beach Road, merging onto Helen Suzman Boulevard as I exit the city. Nelson Mandela Boulevard carries me onto the N2 freeway. I pass many more odes to our freedom fighters, Joe Slovo, Jake Scherville, as the N2 takes me on the guided tour of apartheid special planning and the forced removal of black and coloured South Africans who were expelled from District 6 onto the harsh, barren and deprived Cape Flats to Guguletu, Langa, Nyanga, Kailiche and the many other townships in between. Dreams of crowded minibus taxis speed precariously weaving in between spaces. They chase each other to the city centre, carrying people back and forth along the N2. The journey between the places to which they were banished by the apartheid government and the city centre where they work. COVID-19 first entered my life on the 16th of March 2020 through an urgent email message from my departmental chair calling a staff meeting to plan and discuss how we would proceed with teaching and learning in the time of COVID. By the end of the day, I had packed up my office and greeted my colleagues. My time of working from home had begun. As I settle into new routines, I am inundated with information. Committees are formed. Daily updates are provided. Each day offers a new permutation of the response to COVID-19. Life becomes focused on staying updated adjusting, adapting to the new pieces of information that reach me, staying in touch with students, stemming their anxieties, and helping them make sense of what life in the time of COVID-19 means for them. By the time the university announces that it will close early for the Easter recess, I am relieved to have a reprieve from the frantic strategizing to save the 2020 academic year. It is not only coronavirus that arrives in South Africa from Italy. What also arrives from the outside is panic, anxiety and insecurities. The stockpiling and hoarding begins. Toilet paper, hand wash, ginger, bleach, dental, hand sanitizer become scarce commodities as the shelves in local stores are stripped bare, eerily empty by the time I get there each day. On my third visit in as many days, in exasperation, I ask a staff member why the shelves have not been restocked. They come early in the morning and empty all the shelves, she says. She is confident that in a few weeks when the crisis is over and they realize that they no longer need the stockpiled goods, they will bring it back for a refund, feigning doubled purchases between unknowing spouses. I believe her. Over the next two weeks, things move swiftly. In Seapoint, tourists become a rare sighting. Hotels begin to empty as tourists frantically book flights to carry them home before country borders are shut down. The threat is beginning to bear its teeth across the globe, leaving devastation in its wake. What chance does South Africa stand against the virus when wealthy countries in the global north have been brought to their knees and they warn us of impending doom? Rapid and urgent action is needed. We need to buy time, we are told. We need to flatten the curve and to develop a strategy to deal with the pandemic. On the 23rd of March 2020, our president announces that from midnight on the 27th of March until midnight of the 16th of April 2020, South Africa will be locked down. We will be confined to our homes, permitted to leave only for essentials, food, medicine, medical care, 
No alcohol or cigarettes will be sold during the lockdown. We are fighting a war against coronavirus, we are told. The South African Defence Force will be employed to assist the police in fighting the war against COVID-19. We are reminded that we must stand together to fight this thing. I am worried. We live in the world's most unequal society. We are not accustomed to thinking about each other's needs and acting for the well-being of the collective. On the eve of the lockdown, I am finally prepared. I have gone for a last visit to my family home, bringing supplies and activities to keep my nieces busy. I have explained that I will miss my six-year-old niece's seventh birthday on the 16th of April, but that I will see her first thing on the 17th of April when the lockdown is lifted. I go for a final sunset walk on the promenade with a friend. We are joined by fellow Cape Tonians. Like the last meal before a fast, everyone has come to see the sunset over the ocean before the 21-day lockdown begins. Our president addresses the police and the SANDF. This is a moment to protect our people. Let us do right by the people of South Africa and save their lives. As the lockdown begins, I am consumed with curiosity about the outside. Who will be outside while I am inside? What will they be doing? What will happen to people who do not have an inside to retreat to? What will happen to the people living on the streets of Seapoint when businesses, parks and public facilities close down? I am outside on my balcony early each morning to see what I can see. People living in the apartment blocks all around me are outside too. They are soaking up the sun, running laps around the apartment blocks. The cacophony of traffic sounds that provide the soundtrack to each day has been muted. Seapoint is quiet in its lockdown. I turn to the endless stream of news reports and social media updates. I will remain immersed in the news and social media for the next two weeks quelling my anxious thoughts and curiosities. On the second day, drone footage surfaces. It shows that the suburbs have gone to sleep. Frame after frame of empty streets. The CBD and its iconic spaces have been stripped of life. Camp space, seapoint, the Atlantic seaboard, deserted. Single cars the size of matchbox toy cars, the only signs of life. I am not satisfied. I want to know what is happening on the other side of the mountain, in the settlements along the N2. The ruptures begin to show immediately. There is no framework of action to support the lockdown. The lockdown is a hastily constructed plan in which citizens are not engaged. In townships, people are locked down to confront their deprivation and hunger. Reactive measures are hastily implemented as problems begin to surface. Emergency water supplies rolled out into settlements that do not have access to running water. Tent camps for people living on the streets. Solidarity funds are set up. Community networks are mobilized, collecting food and clothing, sharing recipes for homemade sanitizing liquid to be produced for people living in townships. The lockdown plan is ever-evolving. Holes are plugged as soon as the water threatens to flood in and sink the unsteady vessel that we are traveling in. A series of caricatured portraits of citizens emerge in the media. People living in townships, waiting in crowded lines to do their shopping, are labelled irresponsible and disobedient. They are willfully ignoring the president's instructions, acting as if they are on holiday. The wealthy are generous and selfless, 
donating billions to the COVID relief fund. The middle classes are generous too, engaged in charity to provide for the less fortunate. The politicians are concerned only with our well-being, working day and night to protect South Africans from the deadly virus. The police and the SANDF are protecting the public from themselves. We are distracted by these portraits of the different layers of society, good versus bad. We ignore the structural inequalities that have birthed the present realities. The war against the virus quickly morphs into a war against people living in poverty. Every day brings a stream of new violations, the police shooting rubber bullets at people living on the streets when they try to leave the cramped tented camp in Strandfontein, evictions and the demolition of homes in Kailiche, the daily humiliation, shaming, torture and beatings of citizens in townships all over the country. Our president's calls for kindness and compassion are soon forgotten as the military swing into action, using their skills in warfare to clamp down on transgressors. In Seapoint, we are safe. I spend my days working in the light, watching the sky change. Winter has come and we have bright blue sky, warm days and grey misty sky, rainy days. The seagulls have reclaimed their domain. They no longer have to compete with paragliders disrupting their flight path as they hurl themselves off Signal Hill. I can hear the ocean. The sound of minibus taxis and buses carrying essential workers away down Main Road is subdued. Around me, the staycation continues. People using the shopping for essential goods loophole as a ruse for a daily walk. Many will return with one or two items ready to do it all again tomorrow. The police drive aimlessly through Seapoint, not concerned with where we are going or why we are not inside. We do not need to be protected from ourselves. Every night at 8pm, the people of Seapoint come out onto their balconies to clap, blow vuvuzelas, bang pots and produce light shows to thank the essential workers. The beneficiaries of this mass display of gratitude are not here to hear it. Their access passes expired at 6pm when the shops closed and they were carried along Beach Road, into the city centre and onto the N2 via Nelson Mandela Boulevard. It is time for them to return to the places that apartheid declared as their destiny where their families and neighbours have spent the day locked down in deprivation and terror. Every night I wonder what the purpose of such a display of gratitude is, when those who are being honoured are only welcome when they have come to serve. As we go deeper and deeper into the lockdown, people become more and more desperate. Their social welfare grants have been spent. Their opportunities to earn an income are curtailed. The hunger and the terror of being locked down amplifies. Protests break out. There is looting of stores, schools and churches as the survival instinct is activated. Communities are condemned. The militarization of the lockdown is expanded. By the time the president announces that the lockdown will be extended, I have seen enough. I retreat from the news and social media. It is not that I want to anesthetize myself. It is rather that my curiosity has disappeared. The outside is not new, it is business as usual. Not a war on the virus as we were told, but a war on the most vulnerable groups of South Africans who juggle multiple crises each day. My public health training helps me to understand the importance of the lockdown strategy as crucial to flattening the curve and buying us time to build a response. I experience great dissonance, however, when I am confronted with the violence and violation that has marked the lockdown period. 
The lockdown has come at an immense and irretrievable cost. The great leveller discriminates against those who eke out an existence for their families, somewhere between precarious employment and the social welfare system. The people who tell us that they are not afraid of COVID-19, they are afraid of dying of hunger. In the news, we hear that the lockdown has exposed South Africa's inequalities. This is not true. We are confronted with it every day in the numbers of people living on the street, the high unemployment rates, the protests for services and demands for a better life. If we deny this, we engage in the violence of denying the oppression and ongoing suffering of the majority of South Africans. A claim that COVID-19 has shown us these stark inequalities amounts to nothing more than willful ignorance. COVID-19 and the lockdown has not highlighted inequality. It has amplified it and it will continue to do so in the months and years to come. In week three, the student writes me a message asking me how we are supposed to carry on with our lives, eating, resting, working, when we know what violence is being committed against the most vulnerable and marginalized citizens of our country. I have no answer for her. I tell her that we are all in this together. It is said that COVID-19 offers us an opportunity for rebirth, to come together for our common humanity. In South Africa, the ghosts of our past continue to haunt us. If we needed a reminder, COVID-19 and the lockdown has come to deliver it. We have not managed to exercise these ghosts through 26 years of democracy. As I wait out the last week of the lockdown, I cannot let go of hope, subversive hope. I hope that we can use the opportunity that COVID-19 has created to build a more just society. It will only happen if we engage in deliberate collective action to build a society that centers our collective well-being. I hope that we will finally dismantle the apartheid architecture that shapes our realities, locking us into predetermined life paths. I hope that we are brave enough to address the pain, suffering, degradation and terror that characterizes the lives of South Africans who live in impoverishment. I hope that we will be brave enough to finally confront our past. I hope that we will breathe life into a future that will emancipate us all.